Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast, the podcast dedicated to simplifying the commercial real estate industry for the masses. Each week, we sit down with industry experts to dissect the many facets of commercial real estate and extract valuable lessons you can apply to your business. Whether you're a new or seasoned business owner or investor, the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast will be your go-to resource for all your commercial real estate needs. Now, here are your hosts, Rafael Collazo and Jeff Walston. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast. I'm your host, Rafael Collazo, here with my co-host, Jeff Walston. How's it going, my friend? Well, and wonderful out there, um, you know, just enjoying life and uh, enjoying the warm weather. I know uh, we're coming now at the end of summer, so, uh, but yeah, everything's going good. What about you, Raphael? How's it going over there? Definitely. Yeah, I know. And, and I'm, the, like you said, it's near the end of the tailing end of summer, which is not great. I'm, I'm, I love summer. I love heat. So the fact we're going to yeah. start going shorter days and colder nights is going to be a sad yeah. thing for me, but you know what? Christmas is always nice. So I'm, I'm looking is. forward to to that but overall it's it's been good on my end nothing nothing uh too eventful i'm just again getting married here in november so you know finalizing all that stuff and just keeping up with with business uh on, yeah. on my end on the brokerage side but overall it's been been great and really speaking of just a, a great conversation and just an awesome human being uh we really had an awesome honor to be able to interview robert powell who's the ceo and principal of resolute re in uh, uh new mexico and we had a, a, a wealth of conversation and, and he shared a wealth of knowledge uh, pertaining to a variety of different insights, in particular related to mindset, coaching and leadership. So some of the things we talked about is, you know, his early career, he started off in the consulting out the space out of college and healthcare consulting. Interestingly enough, he had an opportunity to work uh, at Humana. So he was here in our local market, uh, Louisville, periodically throughout the years. And he mentioned a hotel that he really likes to stay at in our local market. Uh, but he also talked about the transition from what he was doing on on the consulting side over into the investment space, and then finally broke uh, breaking into the brokerage side of things, and that's kind of where he's operated in since 2007, 2008 timeframe. Uh, and so he shared some of the insights he gained on that front. Along with that, he shared some of the struggles he faced early on with that transition. Uh, he didn't, you know, like you said, he didn't start off in the real estate space. He did kind of fall into it after you know, uh, experiencing what he did uh, near the dot-com burst uh, and where he transitioned from what he was doing before into real estate. And then he also talked about, you know, how he's able to shift his mindset so that he can become a more effective broker on that front as well. And we really touched on, you know, a lot of points related to coaching, the importance of coaching. He himself is a coach and he has clients that he's worked with across the nation. He himself has been coached. So we talked about the value of both giving coaching and also receiving coaching as well as leadership and, and how to become an effective leader and build a healthy culture and organization where you get to retain and grow people so they want to stay and help the organization succeed. And then finally, we touched on some of the shifts in, in the market uh, over the last uh, several months and in, in just the last couple of years uh, pertaining first to retail, how it's evolved over time. And then finally, we touched on you know the 1031 exchange activity that, that we've been seeing compared to last year versus this year. And he kind of shared some insights pertaining to how things have been shifting on that front. So I thought it was a phenomenally engaging podcast. As I said before, Rob's just an awesome guy and we're looking forward to keeping in touch with him. But Jeff, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Rob was, uh, like you said, he was an amazing guy. Uh, 
and you could just see that the the passion that he has for coaching uh, and then what impact uh, the people that he or he's coaching actually has on himself. Um, uh, you guys will find that about that in, in the episode. Uh, and I also, uh, like I've said in the past episodes, that I haven't asked for everyone that's listening, and it is to reach out to another person that you could think we might find value in this uh, podcast. Um, it could be you know, a friend or associate or coworker, any of that. Um, we would love to for you to recommend us. Um, and we're grateful for all the ones that have recommended us and help our channel grow. So I just wanted to say thank you for all that and, and keep them coming. The recommendations, uh, yeah, are amazing. So yeah, I couldn't agree more. And we like like we always say, we, we are humbled by the support we've received from you guys since we started this podcast last year. So keep the support coming. Keep sharing it with all the people that you th- uh, think would find value from it. And then also, if you haven't had a chance to, I would, we would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review. Uh, go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and just drop a five-star review. It really does help with you know engaging people who are considering listening to the podcast that they see that we are providing value through the five-star reviews that we have. It does really make a difference in whether or not they decide to listen and, and ultimately, you know, help the podcast reach a broader audience. So again, we would greatly appreciate if you could do that. So thanks again so much for your guys' support. And without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into the podcast. Well, Hey Rob, great afternoon. A good afternoon to you, man. It's I'm an honor. I'm honored to be here. Thank you guys for inviting me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on and taking the time uh, to to do this. So, absolutely, to get started. Absolutely, and we 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 kind of talked offline a little bit about uh, some of the people that we've run run into through the years, and obviously, you know, you had a chance to you know Bo very well. Uh, Bo was actually my uh, CCIM one hundred two instructor uh, this past year, and we've kept in touch. And he's just an impressive individual, and. You know, obviously, I we we connected with you through LinkedIn and all the efforts that you've been putting on the platform, and you you seem like a a, a phenomenal thought leader in, in the space. And we're just really excited to learn a little bit more about your backstory. So, you know, what we typically do when we first interview someone on the podcast is we like to learn a little bit more about them. So, if you don't mind sharing your backstory, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, it, it's a it's it's a long backstory, and I'll, I'll try to be quick about it. So, I came out of grad school and got into consulting. Uh, it was it was the exciting job to get. I traveled all over the place and and it was healthcare consulting of all things. So I consulted with Humana, Kaiser and so forth, lived all over the United States. Um, but it was it's a tough gig. And um, in that, I got into the dot com consulting and that blew up. And when that blew up, I was out of a job and there's so much behind that. But I'll I'll. I'll go on if you want to talk about that later. But the point there was uh, when I was out of a job, um, I got a gig with Ernst & Young in Boston. And as I was, and I did accept the job, but I thought about the lifestyle I had and, and it was a heavy weight to carry and I could not think about continuing to do that. Um, so I started trying to figure out what I was going to do less, uh, next and I wanted to be an entrepreneur of some kind. So I went to Barnes and Noble, picked up tons of books, was going to buy a subway. I went down a lot of rabbit holes and I picked up a book on how to buy homes with no money. Right. um, It was called uh, Multiple Streams of Income by Peter Conti and David Finkel. Picked up a book. I thought I could do it. I, I read the book. I couldn't do it. So I went to the boot camp. I'm that guy. I went to the boot camp, paid about five grand. 
um, went up to Colorado and there it started. I came back and I picked up um, close to about 60 homes um, with all kinds of different tactics. Um, I was so good at it, at least um, David Finkel and Peter Conti thought I was good at it, that they asked me to be a coach. So I started traveling around the country um, um, coaching and speaking on how to buy homes. Um, I later did the Monopoly game. I traded those homes in and, and bought a shopping center, bought a mobile home park, really heavy into commercial real estate. Well, 2006, 2007 comes along and wow, uh, totally rocked my world. Um, coaching slowed down really fast. Uh, no more seminars and so forth. And, uh, and so I, the broker I was using to find properties says, hey, if, if you really want to um, be the first guy to see properties, you should probably become a broker. And at that time, I'd already taken my, my CCIM courses and stuff. I didn't, I didn't take the test, but I had taken all the classes. So I became a broker and probably the worst broker in the world. Um, I had a lot of investments, right? And, and I had passive income. So there was not a whole lot of motivation to be a great broker. And obviously... I was at a big firm, had a lot of great brokers. I'm pretty sure I was the worst. But I started getting the brokering bug. Um, I started to enjoy it. And I started to meet a lot of people, movers and shakers in New Mexico. And I quickly wanted to be a better broker. So um, that's how I met Rod. Uh, Rod came and gave a class at the brokerage I was at. Um, he and I met. And fast forward a little bit, I got with a firm that was doing a lot of development. And then I started coaching. Uh, Bo Barron recruited me. Uh, Rod recruited me. And that was a life changer for me is, is becoming a coach. I kind of lean into that uh, Stephen Covey principle of if you want to be great at something, you coach it. And I started to coach and I really started to see my brokerage change, uh, the way I saw things, it was a life changer in every uh, possible way. Not only as a broker, but as an investor. And also started to help me in leadership because I had the opportunity to coach all these phenomenal brokers across the country. And when you coach someone, you, you start to get uh, personal in, in, in ways that you don't think about. And yeah, sure, there's a curriculum and so forth, but there's a lot going on in someone's business. So I started learning about the markets. I started learning about uh, how different brokerages work. And that, that helped me do what I'm doing today. And so that was a quick, quick synopsis. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah and, and, and similar to you, actually, I came from a consulting background as well. I actually was in software consulting. So I was an engineer in, in college and then got into the software space. And I was a developer and consultant for a, a company that implemented software systems around the country and abroad. And so I don't know what type of you know cadence as far as travel was concerned for you. But for us, we would they would move us there and we'd have to be on site. I know typically with a consulting lifestyle, it's like you fly out early Monday morning and you're lucky if you get back, you know, Friday evening, sometimes even Saturday or whatever. So it's a, it's a very rigorous and, and, and can be a very 
you know, brutal lifestyle uh, to have it. I mean, you learn a lot in the, in a compressed time frame, but it is, uh, you know, after a while I could see it wearing, wearing down. So. I learned a lot. I was more on the process re-engineering and I was also on the organizational consulting, but yeah, I mean, I would fly out Sunday night, fly back Thursday night, fight with my wife all weekend long and then fly out again. It was, it was rough, but coming out of school, it was, you get to eat at fancy restaurants and stay at the best mm-hmm. hotels. Absolutely. Well, that gets old really fast. And when you're all you're looking about, all you're thinking about is how many points um, for frequent flyer miles and hotel points you can rack up. That's a tough life. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's kind of what, you know, I, I kind of came to the realization of as well. I mean, I wasn't doing the, that cadence as, but we were moving, they're moving us every other year and it's just hard to cement yourself. And as someone who's, entrepreneurial it's it's hard to build something outside of that you know with that type of lifestyle and that type of cadence and obviously what you had mentioned pertaining to uh your experiences on the on the investing side i mean that's an impressive feat to be able to accomplish that and that's a relatively short period right because you said that when the dot-com bubble burst that was in 2001 so you're saying between 2001 and 2007 time frame you were you had 60 you had you'd you'd already built up 60 homes and you transitioned to commercial is that correct Yes. Um, it was quick, but I was desperate. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I cashed in my 401k. Uh, I was desperate and I worked it and it does work, but you really have to have a motivator mm-hmm. and putting food on the table. That's a, that's a motivator. Absolutely. Well, yeah. So I'm kind of curious of what, you know, there's a lot of different sectors within commercial real estate. What are, what's one that you enjoyed getting into diving into uh that you kind of love doing can can you so first of all it's a people business and um yeah. and i'm a generalist um yeah in the tertiary market secondary market like new mexico albuquerque i do it all from in in right now i'm excited about industrial who isn't right and yeah. uh, but i retail is something that i i do a lot of uh, investment sales is what i love doing uh, I love selling the big shopping centers, um, single tenant net lease type assets, um, but it's the people. Um, if if there's people that I love working with and they're into something, I'm into it. And and that's how uh, I just love working with great people. And I hate working with with difficult people, right? <laughs> Don't we all? That's, that's yeah. true. No, but, <laughs> yeah. but you also, you know, and it's an important context as well, because, you know, getting to know the individual and building that relationship with them, because each person has their own goals, each person has their own aspirations. And so really getting a feel for the individual themselves can help you better serve them. I mean, and that's ultimately what a sales is, is to try to, you know, help someone achieve their aspirations in whatever particular niche or profession that you're in. So. Not only that, but it's it, you're very well aligned, right? When when someone yeah. is, uh, since I own property, it is really really easy to um, have that conversation and come from the perspective of ownership and understanding uh, the bottom line. Um, that is really my value proposition when it when it when I'm talking to other investors that is that I understand the pain. I understand what it's like to have a 26,000 square foot vacant box and, and the pain that goes along with it. And, and that is my connection uh, with most of my clients. 
That's amazing. And and and, and 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 the important part is is I, I'm an advisor, saying, "Hey, Rob, I, this is what's going on. How? What have you experienced with your with your portfolio?" And it's a dialogue, and and I think that's critical for most brokers. And this is something that Rod talks a lot about. Rod Santo Massimo is that is 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 transitioning from a commodity to an advisor. And when you're a commodity, it's, you know, people, if you see, if, if landlords, uh, uh, tenants see you as a commodity, it's easy for them to switch. Yeah. Uh, when they see you as an advisor, it's a lifelong relationship. And oh my goodness, what a, what a game changer it is when, when you're an advisor and you share the pain, you totally understand where they're coming from and, and you can help them. Now you have a, a seat at the table, you're in that boardroom and you represent the real estate. Um, unquestionably a huge move. Absolutely. And that owner's perspective, like you said, is I'm sure game changing. I mean, I have, I have a small multifamily property here in, in Louisville and, you know, just with, you know, the, the investors that I deal with on the multifamily end, when I've, when I've sold several multifamily properties, it, it's like, this is what I've done in my experience. that has been successful. This didn't work out. Definitely don't want to do this. And so it does create that a little bit level of trust. Uh, you know, and you become, like you said, that advisor. So I'm sure it's, I mean, I'm yeah. sure that's game changing on your end, really. And and I think that should be every broker's goal is, mm -hmm. is to be at that advisor level. Mm -hmm. and, and speaking of Louisville, just a quick rabbit hole here is that mm -hmm. my favorite hotel in the world, well, not in the world, but Seelbach, Louisville. Mm -hmm. nice. Awesome hotel. I, I lived there forever. Yeah. I like yeah, it. With, with Humana, with Humana, right? So, right. Yeah. <laughs> The man is the, the big, the, the big, the big 800 pound gorilla here. So that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Seal back hotel, the best, at least it used to be. I don't know what it's like now, but yeah. so, yeah, of course. And so one of the things I was kind of curious about is, you know, you mentioned that transition and, and, and there's a lot of people who listen to this call and, you know, I'm like this. And I know a lot of people are like this. This wasn't their first uh, career. Uh, they transitioned from something else and then ultimately found themselves in this profession. So if you could kind of provide some context as to, you know, how that transition was, and then maybe some of the early struggles you faced. Oh, freaking painful. Uh, and, and it was a transition because I wasn't desperate, but I, I, I needed to find deals to feed the machine. At that time, um, I had built a small property management company, wanted to field, uh, feed deals there. I was looking for properties. And so you can imagine uh, I was at Grubb and Ellis at the time and it later on switched to Collier's. Um, I wasn't productive as a broker and, and, and didn't feel the need other than the peer pressure of other brokers doing very successful. And here I was taking up office space, uh, but, but really focused on my own stuff. And that transition, I, my identity was kind of lost. Uh, 2008 2009 investments were really slow hard to buy stuff and here i was trying to be a broker and be an investor at the same time so to answer your question transition was tough but then i figured out what were the components how to do it um i always used to hear uh, a broker if, if a brand new broker you'd get thrown a phone book you know years and years and years ago just start calling i was not a prospector I learned how to prospect. I had to learn these things and there was no one to coach me. Uh, there wasn't someone that I was working under that was helping me. And so I had to learn these things. What is prospecting? What is presence? What is cadence? How do you use a CRM? And, and the sooner 
uh, in transition, the sooner you can grab a hold of those things, uh, the, the quicker you are going to be successful. Um, we have uh, an intern in our office, came from um, uh, the car industry. And he is starting from scratch. And I know how important it is to get coached. And so I'm spending a lot of time explaining how to, 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 to do presence, how to, to, how to prospect. And that transition is, is quickly happening in a matter of months. For me, it was a matter of years. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. And that just goes to show the importance of, of being in a place where, you know, the, the, the coaching can take place, you know, someone who's willing to pour into you to try to help you, but it also is a two-way street because, you know, I've been in, in coaching for many years and, you know, I've had, I've coached myself as well. And, you know, you could be eager as a, as a person to want to engage and, and, and pour into someone, but unless they have that same level of, of commitment, there's just nothing that, that can be done. And so, you know, like you said, it is, it is, it's a two-way street, but obviously kind of goes to show the importance of surrounding yourself with those types of individuals. And not only that, and it's something I, I touch on a lot um, regarding culture and, and specifically is when you are with leadership that has an abundance mindset, um, that leader is going to want everyone to, around him better versus a mindset of scarcity where that leader or, or that head broker is scared of, of, of creating their competition. How, you know, how do you, how much do you hear that? I, I think as a leader, coming out of abundance and creating an atmosphere where I am committed to make everyone around me better, everyone in the company better. That means I got to give everything I have because if you're successful, the company's going to be successful. I'm going to be successful. So I have to make that commitment to everyone that, that works with me that you're getting all of me. And that's all the coaching, all, all the counseling, mentoring, whatever it is, you've got it that changes everything. And so when someone comes into our company and someone can commit that, I, hey, not only am I committing for you to be successful, I'm going to, I'm going to do everything I can so that you're a better broker than I am. I don't want to be the number one producer. I want you to be the number one producer. Well, guess what that, guess what happens with that is you have lower turnover rate. Um, I, I have a, a guiding principle here is that I want you to be recruited. I want you to be so damn good that every company wants you and go out to lunch with them, go to dinner, tell me about it because my job is to create a culture where you want to stay. If you make a lateral move, that's my bad. That's my mistake. Yeah. That's on me. If you make a vertical move and something that's awesome, I'm going to be the first one to cheer you on. But imagine walking into a culture like that where the commitment is for your success. That's who people follow. Anyways, I think I went off a rabbit hole there. But no, I get, no, I get pretty excited about that kind of stuff. I mean, no, that a, a good leader is a coach, and a coach is a leader if you're doing it right. So, I mean, that kind of goes into um, what you were saying there. So, to, to form a culture and and create that work environment that somebody enjoys. And and speaking of coaching, how has that actually played in your like your career development through the years? Um, how, how important has that been for you? Monumental. Um, the best thing that ever happened to me was understanding the role coaching plays in self-improvement. Um, I coach at the investment level, how to buy homes, how to buy mobile home parks and so forth. And 
that really changed my perspective because the more I did that, the better I got. And, and I still coach today. I I have several people that I coach across the country um, from, from East coast to West coast and getting into their business and seeing different perspectives um, is a game changer for me. And, and I think that's helped me in so many ways, not only as a principal for the office, but as the role of CEO of the company and, and trying to establish that culture, establish those guiding principles. But it doesn't come from me. It comes from all the stuff I've learned from all the brokers I coach. Um, I get a lot more out of the people that I coach than they get out of me. And, and that's just the way it is. And I love it. And I love the people I coach. And guess what? I give them all I, I can, everything I have, because I want them to be successful. How did you, one thing that I'm kind of curious about more so for myself as well, because, you know, I've, I've been coached for many, many years and I've even, you know, had coaching clients in the past, uh, you know, and they weren't paid clients, but they were people that, you know, had reached out to me asking for advice and, and, and wanting to meet on a regular basis to try to work through things and, and, and try to achieve their goals. And, you know, one of the struggles that I faced when I was doing that was that, you know, it was almost the self-doubt type of, of thought process. It's like, who am I to want be able to pour into these individuals? And, you know, obviously that was unwarranted because I had done other things that, that through my experiences, I had, I'm further along in this direction than, than maybe they were. So I could provide that context, but there's always that doubt inside your head. So I was kind of curious about, did you face that early on or, and, and, and how did you overcome that, that particular, uh, you know, logic or thought? I still face it. Um, I, I, I deal with doubt every day. Um, but as, as I've continued to coach, and I think that's the key is being consistent in what you do and getting a perspective from all the different individuals that you coach, um, you understand what works and doesn't. Um, there's, there's curriculum. There's things that, you know, hey, this is how you prospect. This is how you use your CRM. This is how you use cadence. <laughs> But the, the, what really is, it's, it's much deeper because everyone's situation is very different. And all of a sudden, you, you, you start to fill your tool belt with different tools. And I never have, not, I, I, it's, I'm never in a position where I have nothing to say. Because I pull from different experiences. And the more people I coach, the, 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 more, the, the more tools I have. But it, it's basically being exposed to different scenarios. Really, um, I can't think of any of anything that's going on in the brokerage world and commercial real estate that I haven't faced before. And that, and it's not because of my own experience, but the experiences of all the people that I coach. That's amazing. No, that's that's some great insight. And 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 like any learned skill, because. Coaching is a skill, leadership and developing as a leader is a skill. I mean, it just takes practice and practice and putting yourself out there. So I'm, I'm thankful that you were able to share that insight because, you know, I, 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 this is something that I've struggled with in my past and I'm sure some of our listeners have as well. So it's always great to hear context from someone who has a lot of experience and has been successful in the space. So, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you was related to, you know, the, the current workforce landscape we find ourselves in. One of the things that I, I, I do a lot in the retail side and, you know, a lot of my clients are complaining about, you know, recruitment and retention of, 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 of employees pertaining to their particular industries. And I'm kind of curious on your, on your side, as the leader of your organization, 
what are some of the challenges you face regarding recruitment and retention of, of, you know, your either brokers and other people within your organization? Um, everyone is facing it. And I think it comes down to culture and, and it comes down to building a really healthy culture. Um, guiding principles are something that I lean into a lot. Like I just kind of shared with you that I want my brokers. I want my team to get recruited. I want them to be so damn good um, that, um, that other people notice them. And it's my job uh, to create a culture that they don't want to leave. Right. And so everyone is facing it. And it's so important. Culture is so important right now. And, and I talked about the mindset of scarcity and the mindset of, of abundance. Um, you're going to see in, in, in a culture where there's um, scarcity, you're going to see people leaving. You're going to have turnover problems. You're going to have uh, HR situations. You're going to have a hard time holding on to a team. So what is it a leader that can do to create a culture? Um, where they want to stay and they want to grow. Well, the, the responsibility is on the leadership to give them the opportunity to grow, to pour into them. Right now, everything is starting to shrink. Business is starting to slow down. What is the one key that I need to do? I need to give them the tools and the resources. And I, I call this the gap, where I spend a lot of time as leader in this gap, giving them tools and resources for their success. So right now, I do a lot of coaching specifically on getting in, on, 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 on building market share. Things are slowing down. Brokers are starting to take a break. Um, and they're using the, you know, they're using the pandemic or whatever as an excuse. Right now we got a prospect. You gotta, you gotta take the time in everyday prospect. You know, a lot of brokers use um, pipeline work as an excuse not to prospect. Right now, as things slowing down, no more than anything else, the fundamentals, the blocking and tackling of prospecting, presence, working on your pipeline, um, and building market share. Because as landlords are going to start changing brokers, tenants are, uh, are going to look for different brokers because things start to slow down and the brokers, their activity drops. And then they use um, the market as an excuse. Bullshit. This is the time right now to step into it and to gain market share. And and it has to happen at the leadership level. We Individuals by themselves, without that type of support, without that encouragement, without that type of coaching, they will take the foot off the gas. And, you know, I, I love that term, success breeds failure. You know, um, if they get a big closing, hey, great, celebrate today, but let's get back on it because a storm is coming. Yeah, absolutely. We, we literally, so Jeff and I are in a mastermind group together yeah. and we were just there yesterday talking, you know, we have like the hot seats and everything else. And we address like our, our, our big business problems and everything else. And that was literally a topic of discussion yesterday. It's like the economy's slowing down. It's time to try to capture market share. And, and our people in our group obviously are from different industries too. We're not just strictly yeah. real estate focused. So it's um it's a good perspective to have and and having a group of people that you can meet with on a regular basis to hold each other accountable is has been instrumental really. It's interesting yeah. that you mentioned masterminds. Uh, um, I, I used to belong to this group called Maui Mastermind, and we would go off to to Hawaii for uh, for a couple of weeks, a week or so, and that was a huge game changer in my life. And is meeting all these incredibly, um, really great investors, business people, and getting that type of feedback. Again, 
It is getting a perspective from different individuals and feeding into your life as you feed into theirs. Crazy important. Um, uh, it's awesome that you're doing it. And yeah. I think everyone should yeah. be in a mastermind. Yeah, I know. It's It was very organic. And obviously, we're all friends of our, each other. And we were in a similar networking group and everything else. And we just thought it would be a great idea for us to get together. And the cool thing is that we're not all... I mean, some we have definitely more of a lean towards real estate. We have people in construction and, 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 you know, uh, real estate like brokers and such, but we also have people who are like the car, a car sales. Uh, he owns a car lot. We have a gentleman who owns a window company. So like, you know, there's a, yeah. there's a variety of different businesses that can provide completely different perspectives than someone who like myself, who's in brokerage, Jeff tells me, you know, get provides insights all the time pertaining to the construction side of things, which I'm still learning about myself. So it's, it's, um, yeah, it's been great. And I, I'm sure Jeff can can comment on that too. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, it's nice to get all those perspectives for sure, especially in different industries and to see where you're at and kind of dictate the direction that we must go in. But I think, like you said earlier, Raphael, is the all commonality, and you said it too, Rob. Is like now's the time to 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 buckle down and to gain that market share. It's it's not time for to sit back and relax it's coming so you might as well start now not later and wait yeah and, speak, and you know yeah can i just say real something real oh, yeah yeah go ahead on that. it's interesting that a lot of brokers uh, even average brokers in the past couple of years have been incredibly successful even with the pandemic and so forth uh incredibly successful and, and the problem is they're patting themselves on the back. And, and I'm old enough to remember 1998. And I'm, I'm old enough to remember 2007. And the yeah. thing is, this feels a lot like that. And, and, and the problem is, is brokers are patting themselves on the back and, and they think nothing's going to change. This is where coaching, this is where um, the experienced older brokers can come in and really at least enlighten that this is how it's going to work. This is what you do to live through this storm. Uh, if you remember, yeah. and you guys look very young, but 2007 brokers left. They they went yeah, and they for different careers um, and, and it got really small. And that's awesome because that yeah. leaves the, the best brokers there uh, to pick up what's left over. This is where coaching is, is in, in leadership and culture comes into play because yep. the last few years is not real. No. Yeah, you're right. I, I totally agree. I, I, I went through that. I had a construction company during the 2005, well, starting 2002. And then I went through the 2007, 2008, um, uh, we'll say uh, recession, I guess. Uh, they, some people call it the great recession. But anyways, that's yeah. So I understand. I, and it and it's eerie how it does feel the same way, like you said, Rob. And I tell people like, hey, take it from me. I, you know, I had a construction, a thriving construction business back then and uh, it dramatically reduced my work and income stream for sure to to make it through that so uh, yeah it's it's one of those things it's <laughs> i try to tell them like hey i'm not i'm not the guy running around like we're gonna burn to the ground but hey something is coming and it feels just like the same way uh yeah but but you know what's interesting is what if we're wrong what if it yeah things continue going on so be it. You're better yeah. off for it being prepared and doing the things you need to do every right. day. And if it doesn't come, guess what? You're going to be even more ahead. Yeah, so exactly. It's, it doesn't hurt to be no. prepared and be more ahead if it doesn't happen. And I would yeah. love to be wrong. I, oh, yeah. I absolutely would love to be wrong. <laughs> yeah. 
no me me too I, that's what i say but uh, also in a secret way though it's it's like the the ones who started companies several years ago and it's like now you're really it's you're really going to be put to the test and that's kind of what i've been waiting for to see you know who can come out on top of this and who's going to put in the actual work to make it through so absolutely yeah uh so one of the questions i actually wanted to to ask you is like the evolution of retail business in general uh throughout the years how has that actually evolved um at the beginning because i know you said you owned the shopping center once before and um, I don't know when that exactly was as far as a year, but I'm sure it's changed dramatically from when you purchased that to, you know, what we see now out there in the environment. That's a broad question. And it is. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of uh, give you the example of what I'm seeing in, in New Mexico. And I think based on everyone that I talked to, it seems to be similar is that right now, I know you're asking about retail, but industrial is, 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 is there's just not enough of it, right? So guess yeah. what's happening to retail, especially the older centers? Uh, those big boxes are now being um, used in, in an industrial type setting, right? So, for example, I, I represent um, uh, an, an army con uh, military contractor, defense contractor, uh, and they took um, a, a 40,000 square foot babies are us space right now they completely changed the facade i mean the 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 landscape of that retail area you you've got uh cons uh home furnishings on one end and now you've got a defense contractor on the other side right so what we're seeing is that their retail even though there's some increase in vacancy um those spots that are can be um reused as something else that's happening a lot. So we have we don't have as much retail as we used to because it's it's getting used for uh, for different purposes. And uh, I I you know having I still have the the shopping centers and so forth, and I, I'm seeing that they're just getting repurposed in a different way. Whether it's storage, um, uh, flex industrial, uh, what have you. Um, there's definitely an evolution going on, but it's it's more about repurposing than it is anything else. Absolutely. Actually, really curious. Uh, I know shopping center and mall is actually considered you know shopping center. However, um, I'm actually curious of like like the the malls in the New Mexico has like J.C. Penney's and all those big uh, retail chains. Have they been moving out there? And then if so, what, what's been going into those spaces? Is it what you're saying is they're turning them into just warehouse space or. For malls, it's a little different. Um, but yeah. now you're seeing gyms, right? Uh, wow. they're taking the, the old big box spaces and now yeah. you, you see gyms, you see churches. Uh, uh, we have a huge cottonwood mall out here. That's really struggling and you're you're seeing where they're actually condoing off the big uh, the the big uh, boxes um, to to different uses, and it's medical, it's gyms, it's it's office, right? Um, definitely repurposing, uh, going into malls, uh, churches, and so forth. Just just survival at this point with uh, the large malls. Uh, the, the malls that are that seem to be surviving really well are the ones that have flipped. And, and started putting retail on the outside, right? So now you don't have to go in the mall uh, to shop. You can just drive up and walk into the store, the restaurant or so forth. So you're seeing a lot of that 
the outside in flip or, or the inside out flip going on uh, and creating the retail um, and entrances from the from from the parking area very easy versus having to go in. Absolutely. Yeah, no. And, and we're, you know, we haven't seen as much on that front in the Louisville area as far as the repurposing, like of these large big box, uh, you know, tenants as of yet, but I'm sure that's coming down the pike. We've interviewed several people across the country and it seems like that is something that is starting to trend in that direction, especially if the cent, because a lot of these retail centers are pretty well located along high traffic roadways and, you know, easy access points. So if you can repurpose them into like a logistics center, you know, or something along those lines, it could be a pretty good use for that, that particular property. Now, one thing I was kind of curious about was you mentioned earlier, you're, you're really interested and you like to work with investors uh, for these different types of, you know, triple net opportunities or, you know, single tenant at least properties. How have you seen the, the activity as of late? Uh, you know, that, that's one thing that just this last year, I was working a lot with people who were wanting to exchange into some other properties and the inventory was just extremely low. Have you seen a shift as far as, you know, there's still people in the market for the, that, the, that are looking to exchange, but now the inventory is starting to come available more readily. How, how have you seen that evolve? I am seeing that there's definitely a little shift going on. Um, mm -hmm. And it's especially uh, right now, cash is king. Um, mm -hmm. If they don't have to deal with the bank and, and they're coming in, uh, we're seeing a lot of that we're still seeing a struggle with supply. There's not a whole out there, a lot out there. And, um, you know, it's, it's depends on where the person's coming from. Uh, a four, a four cap seems really reasonable for a California buyer, right? Um, it's not reasonable for a local buyer. And so you, and I'm seeing things slow down, uh, but there's still demand and mm -hmm. there's still no supply of quality product, at least in my market right now. Absolutely. Yeah. I would say that's similar in, in our market too. I mean, and, and, and good product, like if it's a, if it's a solid property, there's going to be demand for it. I mean, like you said, there's still a lot of cash out there. Uh, it's just, you know, making sure that the, the, the property is a good fit. So. Yeah. And, and, and the thing with the cash buyers is um, cap rates, they're not so cap rate sensitive because it's, it's a return, mm -hmm. right. Versus having to get a loan and then buying something and then that cap rate there's got to be a, a spread somewhere and it's almost impossible right now um and so you're, you're seeing a huge slowdown with that and um but nationwide uh, from what from you know from multifamily and on the demand is still very high Absolutely. but the, the cash players are are definitely just looking for a return mm -hmm. rob uh as we start rounding out the process uh, here and the rest of the questions, uh, I want to say I appreciate your time uh, and your experience. And I know uh, you have a lot more to give out there. And coach, uh, I can see how much passion that that is for you. And uh, I wish you luck on that as well. Um, but one of the questions is, I know earlier you spoke about one book, but we always ask this question because Raphael and I both are avid readers. And uh, we like to ask, what is one of the most impactful books that you've read? Um, and it doesn't have to pertain to commercial real estate or uh, coaching or any of that. It just whatever your most impactful book was for you. Well, I, there's so many books, but I always refer in my coaching. I always reference the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey. Another book that I, I, I always go to is how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. These are common, right? And, uh, I'll throw another one out there. Never eat alone. Um, I can't remember the author's name, dadgummit. 
Um, but that is Sam, a, Simon Sinek. I think it's Simon Sinek. Simon, is um, that correct? No, it? it's uh, it's it's not him. It's not him. No. Okay. Um, but that's a great book. But it, it there's things that I always refer back and, and things that are always in my mind. Um, but I'll give you something that's completely off topic here, and that is uh, I, I'm reading about the, the American the history of the American West, and it's Blood and Thunder by Hampton Sides. Uh, the story of Kit Carson. Amazing book if you're into into history. Crazy good. So there you go. Kit, Kit Carson, who's that? Is is he the author or is he the gentleman? No, uh, the author is Hampton Sides. It is about one of the early, um, gosh, he's just a hero. He's kind of like the Daniel Boone of the time. Um, uh, he helped in the exploration and so forth. He's actually uh, a superhero it, uh, in, in all aspects. Kit Carson, uh, crazy cool superhero that's awesome yeah i'll have to add that one and and for the never eat alone i just looked it up it was keith ferrazzi ferrazzi yeah. keith ferrazzi never eat alone okay yeah nice. i've had i've had one to the lit there's a few that in there yeah. i haven't read i've read the first two but i have not read the last two and i'd have i to make read. my kids read these books i i i i, I give them to new brokers um it's so important because it's it focuses on the people aspect and if you can't connect yeah. at that level it doesn't matter you know, go get a job, right? Because real estate is about people. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more. No, those are, those are some great insights, and we'll include those those links to the books in the show notes as well, so those of you guys who are listening can actually tune in to check it out. But uh, again, Rob, we greatly appreciate your time. I know you're super busy, but we're really glad we were able to get together and learn a little bit more about your backstory and the insights you shared, especially pertaining to coaching and leadership. I think that's something that you know. This is kind of the reason why we get get the honor to interview people like you that have the experience that, that have, that have showcased their leadership in the industry, because, you know, again, all it takes is one idea. You know, if someone's listening to this and they garner one piece of information or one piece of insight that they can garner, and then they apply that to their life and it changes it for the better. That's, that's the hope for, you know, these types of, of, of podcast episodes. But one thing we, we typically ask our guests at the end of the podcast is we like to be able to have them contribute something to what we call the commercial real estate treasure chest. It's a repository of resources that we make available to our audience. Uh, and usually people contribute something, you know, we've had people contribute helpful PDFs. We've had Excel sheets. We've had, you know, uh, eBooks, uh, really anything that you think would be of value to the audience. So if you don't mind, uh, I just want to ask you, what are you willing to contribute today? Well, first of all, it's an honor to be on your show. Uh, think the world of you guys and thank you for what you do. And I'm just honored to be here. So <laughs> thank you. Um, what I'm going to contribute, uh, first thing is a video. Um, it's called the, the team blueprint and it's basically my culminating all the things that I've learned over the years. And obviously not all of it's in the video, but I focus on the fundamentals, uh, guiding principles and culture. So hopefully you find a lot of value out of that. And then along is a, is a PDF called um, The Gap. And it, it's, a, it's a reference to the video. So hopefully you'll all get a lot of value and uh, out of those two things. Yeah, thank you for that, for sure. I know everybody will get value out of that, for sure. I'm definitely going to look into it myself. So, awesome. uh, and I, Rob, again, we really appreciate your time, uh, especially your story and, and what you've done and how, how you help. Uh, other people out. And uh, so I know people are going to want to contact you, uh, get involved and maybe ask you to be their coach. And uh, <laughs> what's one way they can actually uh, get a hold of you to do that? So um, first of all, um, I'm not a big social media guy, except for LinkedIn. So that is 
basically the best way to reach out to me is, is find me on LinkedIn. I go by Rob Powell um, and uh, Resolute RE is, is the company I'm with. That is the best way to reach me and, and just message me through that. Does that work? Yeah, no, sure. that, that works great. And we'll include that link in, in the description below too. So if you guys are watching this on YouTube, it'll be in the description. Or if you guys are listening to this in a podcast format, whether Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just check out the description and you'll be able to access his LinkedIn page and everything. So awesome. Rob, great, greatly appreciate your time. As we said before, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, we would greatly appreciate if you can like and subscribe this channel. It really helps with the YouTube algorithm ensures more and more people can hear this message. If you guys are listening to this in an Apple podcast format or Spotify format, we would greatly appreciate if you could leave us a five-star review. We've seen a significant uptick in our downloads as a result of you guys doing so. So we greatly appreciate it if you could. And feel free to share this episode with someone who you think would gain value from it. I think we've seen a significant uptick as a result of you guys doing so. So we greatly appreciate everything you all do and all the support you guys have given us. And we'll see you all next time.